If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When I look with clear eyes, my fear dies. Those fears that remain may scare me, but none shall ensnare me or keep me from my chosen destiny. I move one toe at a time, and then step by step, add a little pep, because it's a new year. And I'm Crystal Clear, the house of Mormon Orleans, who the best podcast for people who are definitely not crazy, but might as well be. Many, many times I have talked about the CDC study from 2008 to 2012 on Mortalons called the Unexplained Dermopathy. I've talked about it before, but I have some new insights and some new findings about it that I want to talk about today um, as we wait for um, the next uh, 76 years for the CDC to fulfill my Freedom of Information Act request. Did you guys hear about that? A Freedom of Information Act request was filed recently with the FDA asking for the data supported their approval of the Pfizer vaccine. And they said, um, we're going to need 76 years to fill that request. So they were taken to court <laughs> and the judge said, that's insane. No. Um, you need to start releasing 15,000 pages per month now. And of course, that was a while back and I haven't found any follow-up about it. But eventually, if you got good enough lawyers, enough tenacity and will, government has to comply with the law. It's happened before. It can happen again. I want to learn more. I need to know more. Especially now, after learning what I've learned you're about to hear about it if you stay tuned. Thanks for listening. All right, folks, before we talk about CDC study in specific, let's talk about an article I found on NBCNews.com called The Secretive Fight Against Bioterror. It came out Um, It was published July 30th, 2006. So just keep in mind, I want to create this context for you as a reminder of what was going on around the time that Morgulons began to be reported to the CDC. So this is by Joby Warwick. On the grounds of a military base an hour's drive from the capital, the Bush administration is building a massive biodefense laboratory unlike any seen since biological weapons were banned 34 years ago. The heart of the lab is a cluster of sealed chambers built to contain the world's deadliest bacteria and viruses. Scientists will spend their days simulating the unthinkable, bioterrorism attacks in the form of lethal anthrax spores rendered as wispy powders that can drift for miles on a summer breeze or common viruses turned into deadly superbugs that ordinary drugs and vaccines cannot stop. Oh, what do you mean? Something like the common cold coronavirus being turned into a deadly superbug that nothing works to stop or fix or cure. The work at this new lab at Fort Detrick, Maryland, could someday save thousands of lives or, some fear, create new risks and place the United States in violation of international treaties. In either case, much of what transpires at the National Biodefense Analysis and Countermeasures Center, NBACC, may never be publicly known because the Bush administration intends to operate the facility largely 
in secret in an unusual arrangement the building itself will be classified as highly restricted space from the reception desk to the lab benches to the cages where animals are kept few federal facilities including nuclear labs operate with such stealth it is this opacity that some arms control experts say has become a defining characteristic of u.s biodefense policy as carried out by the department of homeland security the nba creator since the department's founding in the aftermath of the September 11 attacks, its officials have dramatically expanded the government's ability to conduct realistic tests of the pathogens and tactics that might be used in a bioterrorism attack. Some of the research falls within what many arms control experts say is a legal gray zone skirting the edges of an international treaty outlawing the production of even small amounts of biological weapons. The administration dismisses these concerns, however, insisting that the work of NBAC is purely defensive and thus fully legal. It has rejected calls for oversight by independent observers outside the department network of government scientists and contractors, and it defends the secrecy as necessary to protect Americans. Well, that might have been true, but um, did they protect Americans when we were attacked by a bioweapon? No. You guys, I want to point out there was a book written in 1999. It's called Unrestricted Warfare. It was written by two then colonels in the People's Liberation Army under the Chinese Communist Party. That book is a manual of how to attack the West. Someday we're gonna probably talk about it more in depth, but I really and truly believe at this point that Morgulans is a bioweapon and it was created by the Chinese Communist Party. And was released here beginning in probably around the year 1999 but also it could have been released earlier i'm not sure about that part but i know that their campaign of unrestricted warfare multi-pronged warfare where basically anything and anyone is game there is no geneva conventions there are no civilians nothing is off limits um, the evidence just keeps getting stronger and stronger. It's clear by this article that in 2006, we got hip to the fact that bioterror might be something on the horizon. Now, how that just disintegrated, fell apart, never translated to 2020 bioterror, I don't know. Back to the article, it says, A computer slideshow prepared by the center's directors in 2004 offers a to-do list that suggests the lab will be making and testing small amounts of weaponized microbes and perhaps genetically engineered viruses and bacteria. It also calls for a, quote, red team exercises that simulate attacks by hostile groups. The MBAC's close ties to the U.S. intelligence community have also caused concern among the agency's critics. The CIA has assigned advisors to the lab, including at least one member of the, quote, Z Division, an elite group jointly operated with Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory that specializes in analyzing and duplicating weapon systems of potential adversaries, officials familiar with the program confirm. Bioweapons experts say the nature of the research and vision for the MBAC demands an unusually high degree of transparency to reassure Americans and the rest of the world of the U.S. government's intentions. If we saw others doing this kind of research, we would view it as an infringement of the Bioweapons Treaty, said Milton Leitenberg, a senior research scholar and weapons expert at the University of Maryland School of Public Policy. You can't go around the world yelling about Iranian and North Korean programs, about which we know very little. When we've got all this going on, well, as it turns out, it seems like we should have had a lot more going on. Created without public fanfare a few months after the 2001 anthrax attacks, 
Going back to the CDC study, this was the only time that the CDC and the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology ever partnered on an investigation. It was the 2001 anthrax attacks, and well, not the only time, the only other time was the Morgulon study, 2008 to 2012. Uh, the NBACC is intended to be the chief U.S. biological research institution engaged in something called, quote, science-based threat assessment. It seeks to quantitatively answer one of the most difficult questions in biodefense. What's the worst that can happen? Well, <laughs> to truly answer that question, there is little choice. Current and former NBAC officials say researchers have to make real biological weapons. De facto, we're going to make biowarfare pathogens at NBAC in order to study them, said Penrose Parney Albright, former Homeland Security Assistant Secretary for Science and Technology. Other government agencies, such as the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, studied disease threats such as smallpox to discover cures. By contrast, the NBAC attempts to get inside the head of a bioterrorist. It considers a wide array of potential weapons available. It looks for the holes in society's defenses where an attacker might achieve the maximum harm. It explores the risks posed by emerging technologies such as new DNA synthesizing techniques that allow the creation of genetically altered or man-made viruses. And it tries in some case to test the weapon or delivery system the terrorists might use. Mm. Hmm. So it was either China or the United States. Research is at that the NBAC is already underway in lab space that has been outsourced or borrowed from the Army's sprawling biodefense campus at Fort Detrick in Frederick. It was at this compound that the U.S. government researched and produced offensive biological weapons from the 1940s until President Richard M. Nixon halted research in 1969. The Army continues to research pathogens there. In June, construction began on a 128,160,000 square foot facility inside the same heavily guarded compound. It is the BTCC's wing that will host the airtight, ultra-secure containment labs where the most controversial research will be done. Homeland Security officials won't talk about specific projects planned or underway, but the 2004 computer slideshow posted briefly on a Homeland Security website before its discovery by agency critics prompted an abrupt removal offers insight into the MBA C's priorities. The presentation by the MBA C's then-Deputy Director, Lieutenant Colonel George Cork, listed 16 research priorities for the new lab. I believe that this guy just retired y'all court. Among them, quote, characterize classical emerging and genetically engineered pathogens for their BTA biological threat agent potential. Assess the nature of non-traditional novel and non-endemic induction of disease from potential BTA biological threat agent. Expand aerosol challenge testing capacity for non-human primates. Apply red team operational scenarios and capabilities. Courtney, the NBAC science director, acknowledged that administration officials note that there is a tradition for this kind of biological risk assessment, one that extends at least to the Clinton administration. In the late 1990s, for example, a clandestine project run by the Defense Department recreated a genetically modified drug-resistant strain of the anthrax bacteria believed to have been made by Soviet bioweaponeers. Such research helped the government anticipate and prepare for emerging threats, according to officials familiar with the anthrax, with the anthrax study. Some arms control experts see the comparison as troubling. They argued then and now that the work was a possible breach of a U.S. negotiated international law. Current and former administration officials say that compliance with the treaty hinges on intent and that making small amounts of biowarfare bio pathogens for studies permitted under the broad interpretation of the treaty. Some also argue that the need for a strong biodefense in an age of genetic engineering trumps concerns over what they see as legal hair splitting. The main problem with the defensive intent 
test is that it does not reflect what the treaty actually says, says David Fidler, an Indiana University School of Law professor and expert on the Bioweapons Convention. The treaty, largely a U.S. creation, does not make a distinction between defensive and offensive activities, Fidler said. More practically, arms experts say future U.S. governments may find it harder to object if other countries test genetically engineered pathogens and novel delivery systems invoking the same need for biodefense. <coughs> Wuhan. Already, they say there is evidence abroad of what some are calling a global biodefense boom. In the past five years, numerous governments, including some of the developing world, India, China, and Cuba among them, have begun building high-security labs for studying the most lethal bacteria and viruses. So let's do a brief recap here. We were attacked on 9-11 in 2001. The Bush administration got wise to the fact that other nations were developing bioweapons and opening level four biosafety labs and they thought well we're gonna open our own and we'll show them we're america we will defend ourselves against bioterror attacks well china works the slow game you guys they have five-year plans and these five-year plans string together to become 10-year plans and 20-year plans and and actually, we are currently in a 100-year plan of the Chinese Communist Party that ends in 2049. At the end of this 100 years, the Chinese Communist Party hopes to be the dominant global power. I personally believe that these crazy Nazi eugenicists also want to be the only race left standing, the Han Chinese. They'll kill their own people if they're not Han. So you know they don't give a fuck about my Caucasian ass or your black ass or your Hispanic ass because all they care about is power and control and they're very methodical and they're very strategic and they're very patient and you don't just release a deadly pathogen on the entire world without first doing a test run and my friends I believe that's where Morglons comes into the picture all right, we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, as you go through the internet, surfing the net, cowabunga, looking up shit about Morgulons, and you find yourself in a flurry of conspiracy, in a downward spiral wormhole, doing acronym acrobatics because there's the NSA and the DOD and the NGA and the CIA and the CDC. Oh my gosh, it's all so tangled. Does anybody out there really know how it's all organized? Does anybody care? Also, just want to share this good news with you guys that are long-time listeners of the show and know what the hell I'm talking about. The Georgia Board of Nursing has cleared my name and closed the investigation. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Let's talk, because I was really confused. I was once again revisiting the CDC 
2008 to 2012, a study about the unexplained dermopathy that is our living hell, Morgulons. Um, and I had never really looked in depth too much about each and every one of the authors. And I'm still not done. Um, I'm never done actually looking deeper into the matter, researching the researchers, investigating the investigators. Do some pretty extensive research on the first several authors listed in that study. The one, the lead author, Michelle Pearson, and who is alive and well kicking, is now the director of something called like the Brain or something Brain Project. It's all about, uh, I think it's all about putting chips in our brain, biotech. I really don't know about that. Or it's about mapping the brain. It's something about understanding the brain and getting into it. She received her MPI number in 2006, summertime. So she had been a licensed physician for less than two years when she was named to be the lead investigator of the study. Significantly, she really didn't have any experience leading an investigation necessarily into something that was thought at the time to be possibly parasitic possibly fungal, you know, emerging communicable infectious illness. That is not her background. Family medicine is, as is Joe Selby, the um, doctor from Kaiser Permanente, who was listed second on the study. He also got his MPI number or doctor in license in 2006, August, a couple months after Michelle. So combined, our two lead investigators on this study have less than four years of experience as practicing physicians and neither one of them has any research under their belt any publications demonstrating any specialized knowledge towards leading such an investigation except unless you count the fact that Michelle Pearson in 2001 um, collaborated on a 90-minute video about bioweapons believe it was kind of about infection control measures uh, and the threat of bioweapons, biowarfare, emergency preparedness, just kind of interesting. But anyway, that got me down the path looking into, and I can't even remember how, but looking into uh, NBAC or the National Biodefense Analysis and Countermeasures Center that I was just telling you about in the first segment. So that research and development facility is part of the Department of Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate. Okay, the Department of Homeland Security, if you'll remember, was made in 2001 after the 9-11 attacks. So this is located, the center is located in Frederick, Maryland. I'm assuming that's near Fort Detrick. And is focused on improving the nation's capabilities to prevent, prepare for, and respond to biological threats. Somebody sleeping on the job. So its research activities include the development of technologies and strategies to detect and identify biological agents, as well as the development of vaccines, therapeutics, and other countermeasures to protect against biological threats. The center also provides support to government agencies and other partners in the areas of biodefense and biosecurity. Were they the ones who let all the smallpox vaccines that we bought at something to the tune of like $13 million or maybe it was like $1,300 million. I don't fucking know. But yeah, were they the ones sleeping on the job and just let those expire? We're just sitting around with our pants down while monkey pox. 
attacks our unpantsed asses, y'all. So let's back up. So Department of Homeland Security, 2001. 2002, the Science and Technology Directorate, which is a component of the Department of Homeland Security, is responsible for conducting research, development, testing of technologies and systems that can be used to improve the capabilities of the Department of Homeland Security and its partners to prevent, protect against, respond to, and recover from natural and man-made disasters, including terrorism. The Science and Technology Directorate is organized into six divisions, Borders and Maritime Security, Chemical and Biological Defense, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security, Explosives, First Responders, and Homeland Security Advanced Research Projects Agency, H-SARPA. That just rolls off the tongue. Um, it works closely with other Department of Homeland Security components as well as with other government agencies, academia, and the private sector to advance the state of the art in Homeland Security technologies and capabilities. So it was established in 2002. Um, it was part of a broader effort by the U.S. government to reorganize and strengthen the nation's homeland security capabilities in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. Don't ask me why we're not doing that right now. I guess we're just too busy fighting amongst ourselves over stupid shit. So to summarize, the main difference between DARPA and HUSARPA is that DARPA is part of the Department of Defense, the DOD. DARPA is in the DOD, and it is focused on developing technologies for military applications, while HUSARPA is part of the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and it's focused on developing technologies for homeland security applications, whatever the fuck that means. So the Department of Homeland Security is not part of the DOD. It's a separate agency. The DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, is a cabinet-level department of the U.S. federal government that is responsible for protecting us. The DHS is made up of a number of different components, including including FEMA, the TSA, the Coast Guard, and HASARPA. So in the Department of Defense, it's also a cabinet-level de uh, department of the U.S. federal government, but it's responsible for providing military capabilities to deter conflict and protect the security of the United States. It's made up a number of different military service branches, including Army, Navy, Air Force, Space Force, Marine Corps, as well as a number of defense agencies such as DARPA. So they're separate agencies. The DHS and the DOD, Department of Defense and Department of Homeland Security are separate agencies with different missions and responsibilities, although they may work together, let's hope, <laughs> on certain issues related to national security. So how does the DOJ yeah, there's so many departments. And then the intelligence agencies fit into all this. Well, the CIA is a standalone agency. They don't really belong to anyone as far as I know. The Department of Justice is a cabinet-level department of the U.S. federal government, just like the DOD and the DHS. And it's responsible for enforcing the laws of the United States and ensuring the fair and impartial administration of justice. So they have a lot of things like the FBI, the DEA, uh, the ATF. Those are all part of the DOJ. These agencies work to investigate and prosecute crimes as well as to gather intelligence on criminal and national security threats. The intelligence community is a network of U.S. government agencies and organizations that are responsible for collecting, analyzing, and disseminating intelligence information. So the CIA, the NSA, and the DIA, as well as the NGA, do you all even know what that is, or the DIA? The Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the NGA, and the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, 
These agencies work to gather intelligence on a variety of threats, including terrorism, weapons of mass destruction, and cyber threats, and to provide analysis and assessments of these threats to policymakers and other government officials. Both the DOJ and the intelligence community play important roles in the U.S. government's efforts to protect national security and to prevent and respond to threats. While the DOJ is focused on law enforcement and the administration of justice, the intelligence community is focused, obviously, on gathering and analyzing intelligence. So they may work together on certain things. Um, so the CIA is an independent agency. The National Security Agency is a component of the DOD. It is responsible for signals, intelligence, and information security. Signals, intelligence, y'all, is like text messages, phone calls, uh, communications, electronic. Uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency is responsible for providing military intelligence to support the planning and operations of the U.S. military. In addition, there is a number of other intelligence agencies. For example, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, is a component of the DOD and is responsible for providing geospatial intelligence. GEOINT, which includes satellite and aerial imagery and maps, and the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, is an agency within the Department of Defense that is responsible for the design, development, and operation of the U.S. government's fleet of intelligence-gathering satellites. Um, so, there's the President of the United States, then there's the National Security Council, those are high-level officials who advise the President on national security and foreign policy issues. It's chaired by the President, includes the Vice President, the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, other key people. The DOD is a cabinet-level department. Intelligence agencies, the Department of Homeland Security is a cabinet-level department. The Department of Justice is a cabinet-level department. Y'all getting this? It's, it's deep. The deep state is actually deep. Most people have a very shallow understanding of it, but not you, because you sat through this whole episode. Thanks for that. Pat yourself on the back. Stay tuned.